Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, April 25th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. It was a, a whole lot of fun to catch up with you uh, the other week in London. Uh, it was a little more work than play. Like I was, I was thinking we might get more time to, <laughs> to be out at the pub, but it was a lot, the work was a lot of fun and yeah, I just had a great time. It was a lot. Of, I mean, I hadn't seen it in ages, so very cool. No, it was brilliant. Although you did make me work hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, not, you know, I will say it was just nice also to be in London. I hadn't been in ages and, you know, we had some Indian food and, uh, you know, I hit a couple of record stores. So I, w- I was happy with the trip overall, both, you know, <laughs> socially and, and work-wise. So it was, it was good. Yeah, no, it was absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And it was my first, I can't recall a time when I'd done a, well, you know, we are doing the secret project and stuff and which involved some video and for my first time ever doing anything like that. So that was cool. Yeah. I, I, re- I had never seen anything like that. So <laughs> a, lot, a lot of fun. Um, everyone will have to stay tuned to learn more about what this sort of top secret project is that we've been working on, but um, all will be revealed down the road. Uh, I did want to, Alex, you know, we got a letter in, in the email box from one of our regular listeners who traveled through the MBA admissions process this past season and joined us on Clubhouse and, and obviously listened to the show. And so I just want to read it out because it was such a nice email that we received. And so this person writes, hey, Alex and Graham, wanted to give you guys an update and say thanks a ton. After your advice, I decided to proceed with some M7 applications in round two. While I was dinged from Wharton, I did get accepted to Kellogg, a compelling offer from a school I really liked. In the past few months, I've fallen in love with the student culture and community at Duke, Fuqua, which also gave me an offer and a solid scholarship. And after a ton of deliberation, I've decided to commit to Fuqua, and I am so excited to go. It's been a long road since I first discovered Clear Admit. When I posted to ApplyWire in early 21, I was fresh from taking the GMAT, and the idea of applying felt so nebulous and far away. Here we are more than a year later. I have acceptances to five great schools, and I'm headed to a fantastic program in the fall. Both Wiretaps, the podcast, and the Clubhouse chats were invaluable resources to me throughout the process, especially because I wasn't working with a consultant. Not to mention the amount of comfort I found in listening to other people's stories, going through the same hectic, at times seemingly impenetrable process. Thank you both for providing your considerable admissions expertise, compelling commentary, and wit in creating such a wonderful set of resources for prospective applicants. Wishing you both all the best and thanks again. So we know who that was from, but I'm not going to reveal his name on air here, but really um, appreciate that note. That was so cool. <laughs> did, did I get this right? They, they got admitted to Fuqua and they're going to Fuqua. Mm-hmm. We said they should applied to m7 programs in round two yeah they did they got admitted and they're still going to fuqua so i'm not quite sure what value we really added i know i was worried that the email would be like i followed your advice and spent a whole lot of money applying to a number of schools and then didn't you know got in but i'm not going to that so i was a little worried but we know this person and i think they genuinely wanted to be able to sort of figure this all out and obviously it's nice to have those options and so but yeah and i I mean that's part of it you do find your fit and it sounds like they have a nice scholarship and a compelling offer from fuqua so and you know knowing this person like i think they're going to be an asset wherever they land so anyway yeah very cool to to get that note but i i did think about that you know gee do they want their 200 bucks back for applying to kellogg they're not going there you know (laughs) um so anyway 
It is what it is. Very good. Very good. Uh, so we still have the rewards program running, Alex, on the site. I know you're kind of keeping tabs on that. And that's for people who leave comments and get likes. And when they hit, you know, a certain number of likes, they get these stars and we send out Amazon cards. So that's still running. Are you? Are people earning their stars? I haven't really been paying close attention over the last week or so. We do have what I would say is one or two what, what you would call super users. Mm-hmm. And they are absolutely providing some great advice and commentary and, and so on and so forth. But yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's really, really good to watch. I mean, obviously, Elliot's um, also <laughs> contributing a lot of a lot of content too, as our top likes earner. Yes. Since he, since he owns the firm, I think he, he needs to be doing that. <laughs> yeah, I caught um, him liking his own posts the other day. Just, oh just saying boy. no. <laughs> oh, boy. No. Uh, but no, it's all, but it's really, really good. Lots of great content over there. And, you know, lately we've gotten a lot of sort of decision wire posts. So that sort of caps the end of the season for a lot of folks where they're sharing with us where they've chosen to go, what their choices were and where they applied. So I encourage anyone that's sort of at the back end of this cycle, um, if you could, please, yeah, go to decision wire and and, and that gives you a chance to sort of show your whole journey. And it just becomes really useful content for um, the cohorts coming behind you yeah. when, when they're sort of looking at schools which to, which to target and, yeah. and so on and so forth. It's immensely important. And I think, you know, one of the things we do, aside from trying to sort of democratize the admissions process, is it just lends transparency so that people can see what, what outcomes are. And, and, you know, it's anonymous when you post, so yeah. that's fine. And yeah. anyway, yeah, definitely do that. Speaking of the website, Decision Wire and all that stuff, we continue to run those Real Humans pieces about recent grads from business schools. And we had a bunch, so I'm not going to go into a ton of depth on the mall in terms of reading quotes or anything. But I did want to mention we have a, a guy named uh, Akshay who went to Columbia Business School, graduated in 2020, and is now doing product management at Google. Um, he came from a kind of a management consulting background. So that's one of them. We have a woman named uh, Najma who, who is working at Apple, and she's a Stern grad from the class of 21, and she's an environmental program manager at Apple. And I didn't pick that out, Alex. That's just a coincidence. I know last week we had someone working on kind of closed loop, <laughs> eco-friendly stuff for Apple too, but um, clearly that's a big <laughs> focus area now for them or something, or it's just a coincidence that we have two in a row there. Um, we got a, a, a Microsoft, actually two Microsoft folks. So one is this woman named Jessica, who's a Booth MBA from the class of 19. And she is a product marketing manager at Microsoft and had been in like market research prior to business school. Very interesting journey there. And then the other Microsoft person is this guy named Casey Murphy. He is an, a Harvard MBA who graduated in 21. And he's doing sort of strategic planning over at Microsoft. And interestingly enough, um, he's like 35 years old and had done eight years in the U.S. Navy before joining business school and then obviously Microsoft. So just interesting to see these different career paths that folks take on the other side. And that's why a lot of people apply to business school. So I thought it's helpful to shine a light here on this stuff. No, very, very good. And they're all tech this week. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know if that's on purpose. I think our editor in chief kind of you know, she asked the schools for alumni to get in touch with, and then they probably, I think she mostly publishes them kind of as she gets them. But yeah, yeah we'll out attack. Well, we know this is just such an area of growth. So yeah. uh, other than that, over on the, in terms of our, you know, just what's happening at Clear Admit, we do have these events coming up and now there's a lot more detail and you can even sign up for them. You can just go to tinyurl.com forward slash Clear Admit events, and that's all lowercase, all one word. 
And basically on May 4th, which is not so far away now, um, we're going to be sitting down with Berkeley, uh, from someone from the Haas School over there, with someone from Michigan Ross, uh, somebody from INSEAD, and uh, a rep from Yale SOM. Usually we get the admissions directors or senior associate directors. So we'll sit down with four, those four individuals and pepper them with questions about their application. So it's, a, it's part of our application overview series, where we try to help candidates better understand what are the different components of each of these schools, uh, you know, application process and, you know, just tips, advice, what are schools looking for? This is not a kind of info session where these four schools will just kind of, you know, say rah, rah, rah about how great their programs are. This is really me asking them very probing questions about their process so that candidates tuning in can get some useful tips when they apply. Very good. So that should be fun. And and I'm not going to go into the details, but we have one every Wednesday in May. And there are literally, I think, 15 schools in total taking part. So it's usually four or so schools at every, um, you know, at, at each online event that we have. And I'm really excited. I mean, it is really a who's who list of, of top programs, including Stanford and Wharton and, you know, Columbia, Chicago. So they're all coming. Uh, stay tuned. You can sign up online. So what are you telling me? How Harvard's not participating. Harvard is not doing it. Uh, yeah, yeah, they don't do it. When many... you said including Stanford and Walton and I'm like, well, you're not including Harvard. <laughs> no, I don't know. You know, it's <laughs> funny. I have to ask Chad. I have not asked him directly. I, I think um, Mike on our team has probably asked him and they've you know, probably declined or something or they're busy or I, I don't know. But they don't do as many of these types of kind of group events, I think, as some of the other schools do. Right. So we'll see. But I'm happy with the, the group of schools we got. Uh, it's pretty impressive. And I always like connecting with the admissions folks from these schools so it'll be fun and just just as a as a well i'm not sure coincidence whatever but it is hbs's two plus two deadline this upcoming week so yes um in terms of what's happening this upcoming week that's probably the biggest um sort of um event in terms of the the application cycle yeah and that is it yeah is there anything else going on like our schools i know we saw wharton interviews come out for round three a while back here we've had you know there have been some round three kind of notifications and things is there anything else going on or it's pretty this work sort of in in waiting game yeah i mean there, there are several application deadlines this week the highlight is harvard's um two plus two there are also going to be, yeah, plenty of interview invites. I think even for, maybe it might be Fuqua um, that's releasing decisions for round three for, for, for this round. So this stuff happens quickly in this round. Yeah. Um, so as long as folks are aware of that. Uh, obviously, if anyone wants to reach out to us with a question or to send a, a note of, you know, a complaint or thank you, whatever, you can write to us at info at clearadmit.com. Just use the subject line wiretaps. And Where do they send the complaint? Because we don't want to hear that. Well, I usually, I just put them into the trash. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we do, you know, it's funny. People do write to us and, you know, we make it a point to write back. So yeah. I, I really, I, I don't, you know, that that's something we really try to do. So if you write to us, you'll get a response one way or the other. <laughs> uh, all right. So Alex, you picked out three candidates for us to review as always. Is there anything else, though, that you wanted to share before we dive in and start talking about this week's Wiretaps candidates? No, let's kick on. All right, so this is Wiretaps candidate number one. So this is an ApplyWire entry, and the candidate is looking to start in the fall of 23. They've got Harvard, MIT, SMU Cox, and UT Austin on their target list. And this person's in the military. They are enlisted and they're working in aircraft maintenance. They would like to work after business school in potentially like manufacturing or automotive or aerospace, 
but they specifically kind of call out an interest in electric uh, aviation, so electric airplanes, which I didn't even know was a thing, um, but I guess that makes sense, right? We've got electric cars, why not? <laughs> Planes, uh, their GMAT score is a 730, and their GPA is a 3.15. They've got eight years of experience, so a little bit older, and they are located in Germany, presumably at the US base there. They would love to land in Texas after business school, and they asked us specifically whether or not they should retake the GMAT and the reason they say that is they have a 730, they, we can get into their percentiles and things, but they're basically worried about that GPA. And so they're wondering maybe they should take it again because some of their official practice tests, they were scoring like 770 on. So they're wondering about that. And they also did mention that they are, quote, a big fan of the podcast, which must be why you, why you picked them, Alex. So what, what do you make of this candidate? Yeah, no, very... I, to this electric aircraft stuff, I just bought an electric bike, Graham. <laughs> I love them. Yeah, I yeah, know. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> anyway, more, more importantly, um, very interesting candidate. So this candidate, I'm sort of speculating, is somewhat of a bootstrapper. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so they're enlisted military. They've gone and completed a degree. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and, but you know, so a lot of the stuff that we talk about in terms of bootstrap have been first gen. Some of the the struggles they've probably had to overcome, less sort of mentorship around them, that grit and determination to be successful. That should all play in favour for a candidate like this. Um, the, so so where where am I a, a little bit queasy? This GPA of three point one five is is certainly not going to do them any any favors. Um, and then they they say, well, you know, I, I I can sort of add some context. There's a downward trend that doesn't help at all either because you want an upward trend. And the the, the downward trend is a result of of um of sort of having to work so so we get that having to work during during um the the time um but also they were you know um, active in their extracurriculars that makes me a little bit nervous too because that's almost like a prioritization issue if you're not performing well in class yet you're leading a club somewhere adcom could wonder is that good use of your time should your first priority be success in the classroom. So they're going to have to overcome that potential bias. Now, having said they've got to overcome all this stuff, there's some real positive stuff here. Um, 730 GMAT is a great score, um, you know, and they've taken it a couple of times. The breakdown's a little bit different, but overall that scoring of itself is great. Now, if they retake the GMAT test, if they reckon that they can get a 780, I say go for it if it doesn't overly burden you in terms of a lot, a lot of prep, taking away time away from other elements of the application. But if they, let's say they presented a 780, wow, maybe that sort of elevates their overall profile a little bit. But 730 in of itself is a great score. Now, um, they, they definitely need to do sort of MBA math, HBS core, one, one, of, the, one of those, I think, to, to sort of help overcome the 315. I don't think a 780 necessarily overcomes the 315 as much as doing remedial work in, in, in more of a sort of programmatic format like HBS core or, or MBA math. But that's <laughs> my point of view. I really loved your, your take on that particular piece of this candidacy. But overall... 
if, if this if if this person is a seven eighty sort of GMAT sort of test taker, great. They've got to be wicked smart. I, you know, it's interesting because I like this candidate for the reasons you illuminated. Like they're you know bootstrapper, they're enlisted, which is less common, but they've clearly you know they're working internationally at a base. They they they've moved their way up. They're active. Like there's just a lot to like. The GPA is worrisome. They did graduate a while back, so maybe that helps that it's a bit in the past. I personally, I actually, <laughs> I think I would be more compelled by a, an amazing GMAT score than I would be by if they took HPS score. So we're going to disagree <laughs> there. And, I, you know, it's funny, looking at their breakdowns, on one of the tests, they had a 94th percentile verbal, the other 99th. So the verbal is great. Like, they don't really need to worry about the verbal, but it's the math where they've topped out at a 74th percentile, which is usually fine. Like you say, 730 is great. It's just that with that 3-1, I would love to see something kind of off the charts to sort of counterbalance it. Now, I think in an ideal world, they would take it again, go off the charts like 750 plus and do MBA math, and then we'd both have our cake and eat it too, Yeah, and write a lot of compelling, you know, essay content about this journey that they've been on. But I, yeah, I just can't help but feel like, and this is me thinking about the way that the admissions process works and where the schools are sort of like, well, if we're going to take someone with a 3.1, then maybe they can boost our average GMAT a bit. And so that's where I'm coming from, where it's a 730 is kind of average for at least the Harvards and MITs on this person's list. So uh, the one thing I did want to ask you, though, about this is, what do you think of the school selection? Because they have MIT and Harvard, and then they have SMU and UT Austin. Yeah, I mean, as, as we chatted before we came um, on air to record, there is a gap between those two. They want to be in Texas, so I get that. Um, and and so, so that, to me, sort of rationalizes this sort of gap between the two. You've got a couple of sort of real strong global brands in Sloan and, and, and Harvard. And then you've got a couple of really strong brands within that region of Texas mm-hmm. um, and so forth. But I would certainly look to add a couple more at that top end. I sort of spread the risk a little bit further because yeah. you might not get into Sloan and HBS, but maybe they got into Booth or Wharton if they'd have applied to one of those two, right? So right. sort of spreading the risk at the top end and maybe adding one or two top 16 that have reached into Texas. I mean, that might be, I mean, maybe Fuqua would be an example. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they've got a decent network in Texas and so on and so forth. So Adding a couple, again, towards the top end and adding one or two top 16 to give maybe this candidate about seven programs to target, maybe five or six of them in round one, see where the chips fall, and then have a round two strategy. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, I just, I think particularly given their story, they probably if things, if the chips were to fall right, they could land an M7 offer. And so because of that, they might want to apply to more than just the two that they have on the list from that group. But in any event, best of luck to this candidate. I think it is going to be a little bit of a slog to (laughs) retake the test, but if they're scoring 770, 780 on those practice exams, which are official tests, they said, you know, I don't know why they wouldn't at least give it one more try. I mean, obviously, I would not just waltz in and do it. I would spend no, the time no. to prep. They're going to need to take a month or two to get ready for it. I wonder I, I wonder how they're doing on Nerdle. Like me, I'm on a 51-day winning streak. 
Now, if they can get 780 on the GMAT, they need to be doing well on Nerdle. Yeah, I don't know if they're doing Nerdle. That's a good question. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> no. uh, they're fixing jets, you know, to get... Yeah. <laughs> and maybe yeah. training Ukrainian uh, pilots on how to fly. Well, anyway, that's a whole other, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whole other story. Uh, okay, so let's move on, though, and obviously thank that person for their, their post and the nice comments about the podcast, but let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is another apply wire entry, and again, candidate who's charged, uh, who's targeting 2023, so fall of 23. They've got Indiana Kelly, Michigan Ross, UT Austin, UVA Darden, and Vanderbilt on the target list. And this is another military uh, folk uh, person. They're a military officer in the Air Force, and they'd love to get into tech. In particular, they talk about joining like a leadership development program for a tech company out of business school. Their GRE score is a 318. GPA 3.96, and they have six years of work experience. And like the other military person, they started off their note with a nice comment about the podcast. They say, hello, I've really enjoyed listening to the podcast. And they mentioned they went to a well-known private university in the Western United States, double major in Russian and international relations. They graduated summa cum laude, as you might imagine, with that 3.96. And then they've been six years in the Air Force. So What's, you know, and they have international experience, Africa, Europe. And so their obviously big question is about their GRE score. They've already taken it twice with kind of similar results. And they're just wondering about that 318. And, you know, they got into an entire, uh, they kind of pointed out, well, look at Fuqua, the average is around that. Um, I believe it's 319. So what do you make of this, Alex? Because, you know, Air Force officer, six years of experience, international in terms of, you know, being in, in Europe and Africa, really high GPA. What, what, do you, what do you think their chances are? And there's this whole issue with the GRE. So yeah, yeah where, where to start here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, quite honestly, if our first candidate had this GPA and this candidate had their um, <laughs> <they> GMAT <laughs> score, we, we, we'd have two outstanding candidates by pretty much any measure, right? Yeah, I mean, it yeah. would be pretty pretty good and the other thing about this candidate is obviously that their their background is it's got to be extremely topical right so they they graduated russian and in international relations they're in the military special ops i mean the way the world is right now that they're probably um you know going to be quite sought after yeah um, or at least you, you you would think so but this gre is just not good yeah and okay so Here's a candidate that every other aspect of their candidacy, let's just assume, is super strong, right? Now, one of their questions is going to be, well, wouldn't my professional experience, um, my strong GPA and, and well, more, more specifically, the sort of professional experience, wouldn't that help me overcome a lighter um, test score? And you could argue to some extent, because I've got a strong GPA, that might be the case. But in overall, what you really want to, the, the point of view you really want to take as a candidate is every element of my application needs to be as strong as it can be. I can't let my professional experience, assume that my professional experience will help me overcome a weaker aspect of my candidacy. So with that sort of stated, um, the professional experience isn't going to help the GRE. Um, yeah, the G- GPA to some extent will, because if you've got a 396 GPA, that's four years of track record. That's outstanding. 
But then I would look into, you know, what quant related coursework have they done and yeah. how's that related to the quant side of the GRE and if there's a correlation there and it's a little on the weaker side, that's going to be a problem too. Much like our prior candidate, they're going to do HBS core or MBA math. That's very smart. So make sure they get that done. But I really want to encourage this person to retake the GRE. If they could nudge it up three or four points yeah. and have the appropriate score on the quant side, this candidate should be aiming right at the top. Right now, they're not aiming at the top. Now, you could argue, well, they, they, their goals are, are leadership development programs in tech. Do they have to aim it right at the top? And my response to that is, the better program you get into, the more access to opportunities you will get. And um, for, for a program slightly further down, you're going to get more scholarship money. So yeah, really pull the trigger, get a better GRE if they can, and, and really sort of go after the very top programs. The programs that they've targeted with this GRE, will they get admitted? Probably, at least to some of them. But, but they could be doing better, I think they could be aiming higher. That's the thing that um, jumps out at me is when I look at everything in their profile and learn about their, you know, their experience and, and, you know, international, Russian major, all this stuff that really jumps off the page, that GPA is insane. You know, I, I, I sort of, I feel like as you do where, you know, they have some schools on the list where, Will they get in with these stats? Absolutely. You know, there are a handful of schools here where they're, they're going to get in. I'm not worried about that, but I just can't help but feel that this kind of person ideally would be going to a school that is like sort of top notch in general management yeah. because that's what these, you know, leadership development programs really like. So that, you know, you start to talk about Harvard or Duke or Wharton or, you know, any of these kind of, um, you know, big, big schools. And they're not on the list for this candidate right now. And I think some of that's because they're they're making their list a little bit based around that GRE score maybe. But I, I couldn't, yeah, given where we are, I mean, it's not yet late in the season. I would like hire a tutor, spend a month intensively working and retake that test, get it up into the 320s, you know, ideally, you know, 322, 323, somewhere in there. And then just, you know, that will really change the complexion of the schools they need to target. Yeah. I also think that some of these leadership development programs it, it's, I mean, it's the sort of same thing you see over and over again, where if they want to do leadership development or some kind of a rotational program at a very top tech firm, well, yeah, you, you know, ideally you go to a top school, you know, and, and, and so it's just, yeah, I just feel like they're leaving, they're leaving something on the table if they don't go all in and try to improve. And I agree with you, their transcript is going to be scoured for quantitative evidence. And, you know, particularly because their math scores are topping out at like around the 70th percentile on the GRE, which is, you know, not, I mean, that the already the GRE is a little bit easier, a little bit on the math side. That's the reputation it has. And, so I yeah I just feel like they could they could do better yeah. like especially given that GPA I mean they're clearly super sharp so it's yeah I, I would like to see another score that that's my point of view <laughs> yeah no absolutely brilliant and we did look what what's the, so it's a three eighteen GRE the equivalent on the GMAT side that's about a six twenty right right so that's the other thing that we see happening we've talked about this before on the show but uh, with the exception of a couple of schools many programs with the GRE they're actually admitting slightly lower scores like if yeah. you you know yeah like you're saying like a, if if the average at 
Fuqua is 319, maybe that's 630 or something equivalent. So, and they're obviously their average GMAT score is like a 730 or 720 or whatever it is, right? So, so yeah, so the GRE is a little bit of, uh, you know, schools are manipulating that a little bit to kind of admit maybe some folks who they think are great, but aren't doing as well on these tests or something. So, but yeah, I, I still think it'd be nice to see a better score. I, I, I really encourage this person because they should be at an M7 for sure. Yeah, that's my view. Yeah, agreed. All right. So thanks to that person for tuning in. Hopefully they're hearing this advice. And yeah, thanks for sharing the profile. Let's move on, though, and talk about Wiretaps candidate number three. So this is a decision wire entry that you picked out, Alex, and this is a candidate who's going to be starting business school this fall, and they have quite the dilemma. Um, they applied to Berkeley, Harvard, MIT, Stanford, UCLA, and Wharton, and they ended up getting in to Berkeley with a free ride, so $175,000 scholarship. They were admitted to Harvard, and we don't know the dollar amount of financial aid they're going to receive. Remember. Harvard is need-based, so it's all going to depend on their personal financial situation. They got into UCLA Anderson with $100,000, and they got into Wharton with what looks to be maybe half tuition, so $70,000. They want to be an entrepreneur after business school, and they really would like to be uh, to settle on the West Coast. Uh, their GRE score was a 328, and their GPA was a 3.4. So, Alex, you actually engaged in some conversation with this person or some chat back and forth on the site. What do you make of the quandary here? Because, you know, obviously they've got Berkeley, Harvard, and Wharton. I think UCLA is not in the consideration set for them anymore because they got more money from Berkeley, which is a you know higher-ranked program that also is on the West Coast. So I think they're trying to decide between Berkeley, Harvard, and Wharton. So what, what, what do you say on this one? Yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to choose because I think Haas... Yeah, all, all due to proximity um, would would make sense, but Wharton and, and Harvard is a, at a different level in terms of their overall brand, their connections. I I would even probably consider that the net, even the size of the networks on the West Coast, Wharton and Harvard are going to be somewhat comparable to Hass, even though Hass is based there, right? Because Hass is a much smaller class. Um, if we're just talking about MBA grads, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 So. So, super interesting dilemma. Um, you know, if, if, if they can make it happen, yeah, I probably would lean Wharton, Harvard, depending on what financial aid package Harvard come, comes at. It's, I mean, I'm a firm believer, if you want entrepreneurship, you need to go to the best program you get into. The only um, sort of counterpoint to that is, um, as an entrepreneur, saving that money could be quite valuable sort of getting a business off the ground. But the value of the networks, the connections, and so on and so forth, does make, um, you know, top programs really compelling for for things like entrepreneurship. So, yeah, I think it's a very difficult choice, quite frankly, Graham. Wharton with money, Harvard's going to give them some money, I assume, on a, on a financial aid, on, on a needs-based basis. And if they do, I think they, they, they would trump Hass in this case. Yeah, it really is tricky, right? Because like you say, you're an entrepreneur starting a business. You'd love to graduate debt-free from business school so that you're not trying to pay off loans while getting a business off the ground. Yeah. But So that's to Hass. Yeah, so that would be Haas. But yeah. at the same time, if you're putting together a business plan and building a board of advisors or seeking to raise funds 
you know, the Wharton and Harvard networks are kind of really well known for, you know, just for developing entrepreneurs. And, and obviously we know this from looking at the career placement stats and outcomes that Harvard in particular has a ton of people going off and starting their own companies. And, you know, I mean, Wharton has the innovation, uh, whatever it's called, they have that new kind of entrepreneurial center. And so there's a lot going on. The other thing that's interesting to me is that, you know, Wharton has this campus in San Francisco that yeah. students can go spend a semester uh, on. So there's that too. I, yeah, it's an interesting, we don't know the money from HBS, but if HBS were to come in and not offer much money at all, then suddenly you could say, wow, Wharton's offering half tuition and an opportunity to study on the West Coast a bit and tap into a big network and, you know, lots of entrepreneurial support. So I, I don't know. It, it really is a tough decision. I I think it's going to come down, as you say, it's very personal, uh, very personal decision in terms of this candidate's comfort with taking on the debt. And I don't know what kind of a business they want to start, if they're going to be raising funds to do it or trying to do everything, you know, kind of bootstrapped. So that, that would matter too. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah, tricky, but I, I mean, obviously congratulations to them. They have this great <laughs> quandary. Um, not everyone gets into both Harvard and Wharton and Berkeley with a free ride at Berkeley, um, nonetheless. So it's a, yeah, it's a tough call. I, you know, I, I guess how much do you think this wanting to live on the West coast piece comes in to play? Like, I mean, yeah, it's tricky, right? Well, I mean, obviously that that's post MBA. They they they're going to be on the West Coast, um, um, for certain. Um, so, yeah, I I, I mean, Haas is still a good option amongst these three. Yeah. Given given the, the 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 scholarship package. So, I mean, I guess my point is, you couldn't blame this person in this situation saying, "I'm going to choose Haas over Harvard yeah. and, and over Wharton," um, but. Um, I, I, you know, the value of the network, the, the size of the network, both value, value and size, your classmates, the people surrounding you, mm-hmm. they're just a little bit of a higher caliber when you're at Wharton and Harvard, just by the fact that they are, you know, from a tier, tier or two above. That's, to me, that's still important, right? Your quality of life and your networks that you, friendships that you're building um, through, through your two-year MBA experience. So, so that's got to count. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying Hass is a big drop-off, no, but no. it's going to be a drop-off. Yeah. I mean, that's just the very nature of a, 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 a tiered rank, ranking. And better, better folks end up at Harvard over, you know, Hass would be, what, ranked maybe between 8 and 10 in that tier. Yeah. So, so they've got to factor that in too. Yeah, it's really tricky. <laughs> I would encourage them to, you know, attend some welcome events, talk with yeah. them, and to think really long and hard about their entrepreneurial journey and what kind of funds they need to raise and whether they're bootstrapping or going to go, uh, you know, out and raise like several million dollars or something and, and just look at the track record and the support networks that are in place for, for entrepreneurs. Cause it's not, I mean, as much as schools talk about entrepreneurship, it's not the most common outcome, you know, for people, at least right. not straight out of business yeah. school. So definitely something to, to look into. But again, great problem to have, to have to pick between these programs. And we haven't even talked about, you know, they might have a quality of life question or, you know, a spouse or, you know, other things to consider too. So those are fair uh 
fair fair aspects to bring into play but yeah. overall really interesting quandary and that's why you probably picked it i presume yeah <laughs> yeah and that's why they're undecided yeah so uh alex we've done it we made it through our three candidates and a whole bunch of other stuff uh again just want to ask everyone to tell at least one person about this podcast if you enjoy it and uh yeah we'll we'll be back in one week's time to do it all over again with a new batch of candidates i guess alex we're going to start shifting into more and more apply wire entries as we focus less on you know, decisions, right? Everyone's kind of settling into their decisions soon. And so I guess we'll just see, although we've been getting a lot of, a lot of entries on, on decision wire. So we'll see, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be next week or two for sure. We'll swap back over. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, thanks Alex. I guess we'll see you in next week. Very good. Stay safe, everyone. Take care.